for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Okay. Just going to nick this off, Donna. Sorry. Okay. That was quite subdued this morning. Normally I can't shut you up. So uh, it's great. Great to see some new people every week. It's fantastic. And uh, I hope that you enjoy your time with us and that you feel welcomed and uh, that it's a place you can belong. Uh, if you're visiting us and you're just on holiday, welcome. Um, we all talk with funny sounds in the background in Barrow. It's the way it is. Um, I'm not from Barrow. I've got a very multicultural accent of uh, Manchester, Bolton, Liverpool. Um, don't think there's any Welsh in there, but uh, anyway. But good morning, welcome, and we're going to carry on our series this morning. If you've been with us, we've done it for the last two weeks, which is called Behind the Songs We Sing, because so often we sing things, and you might not know what you're singing. Last week, we talked about Yahweh and the Lord, what it means to be here. And I have to say, this morning's title is Reckless, and we've touched on this a little bit before, but I want to think about recklessness, you know, Karen Parker last week didn't come to church because she knew it would be reckless to come because it was her birthday. <laughs> I th- that's, that's the main reason, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Should we do a belated? No, I'm sorry to embarrass. No, no, no. We're not going to start that because otherwise Karen would perhaps not come for a month so we forget about it. So I'm sorry. I can only tease Karen because she knows me. That's fine. So uh, recklessness. I, watch, I want you to watch two short videos. We'll, we'll cut into them because I believe it shows recklessness. Um, But I want to think about recklessness in a different way, not in a negative context, but in a positive way, okay? So if we can watch the little first video, okay, hopefully this will work. We've had technical problems galore this morning. Can you see, gents? Okay, this is a man stood on a wall very high up, demolishing it. Any health and safety people in here this morning? Philip, last year, struggling to watch this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he stood on the wall that he's demolishing. Hands up if you think that's reckless this morning. Okay. Some of you don't, so that's a bit worrying. Okay, okay, you can stop that one. It goes on for about another two minutes, and I think he does end up stood on a very narrow bit of brick. And that looks reckless, but I want to put it to you this morning that that guy, obviously that's his job, that's what he does. And so maybe he knows something you don't. Maybe he knows the exact place to hit that wall so he doesn't tumble to his death. Maybe he knows it's going to be okay. But to us on the outside, we look at it and we go, wow, that's reckless, that's crazy. What about this one? This is a little bit more technical, perhaps a clearer picture, hopefully. Can you all see? Am I stood in your way there? I'm very sorry. Okay. I'm scared of heights, so this does freak me out a little bit, okay? I think this is called freelining, I think it's called. Like time walking. Oh yeah, okay. He isn't attached to that rope at all. He is totally free. Totally, somebody's just said he's stupid. Well, maybe, okay. Reckless, let's use reckless this morning, okay. Okay, once he gets going, I mean, that's quite spectacular, isn't it? Anyone think he's re- anyone think he's reckless this morning? Look how high up that is. 
That is scary, isn't it? Wow. Wow. And it, look how long that line is. Anyone fancy doing that? No. Jake Salter? Okay. If Jake's not here next week, then we know why. Okay. Um, he's not here next week anyway, I know. I was just wanting people to worry about Jake. That's fine. You can turn it off, Jake. That's fine. All right, and okay. Reckless. On the outside, that looked reckless, didn't it? Especially at the beginning when he fell. But actually, he's obviously, he's not, that's not the first time he's done that. I don't think he suddenly got this clothesline out and decided, oh, I'm going to do it across this massively high gap. I suspect he started low, and so he's experienced. So although it looks reckless to us, there's an element of skill there, isn't it? There's an element of plan. There's an element of actually that it's not reckless because he knows what he's doing. And I want to think about God's love in that way this morning. Reckless can be a negative word. It can mean foolhardy or rash. But it can also, one definition of it is doing something regardless of the danger. That's what reckless can mean. To do something regardless of the danger. But that's what they both did on those videos, yeah? To do something regardless of the danger. Another definition can be, or to do something without fear. That is another definition of reckless. To do something without fear. You know, we sing a song, and we're going to sing it after I've spoken, Oh, the never-ending reckless love of God. And people struggle with it because God's love, you know, God is planned. God, is, God knows what he's doing. He's not crazy, but just like those people, they knew what they were doing. They might be a little bit crazy in this case, but they knew what they were doing. There's a plan there. And God's love is reckless because sometimes people, even people in this room, you might say, I'm not interested. In which case, it's pretty reckless of God to give you his love, isn't it? You know, if you don't want it, that's pretty reckless. But the part of this song that people have commented on particularly is the bit that goes, oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. And people think, is that about an ice cream? You know? It, leaves the night. it could be. You know, if you don't know what that song is based on, it could be about an ice cream. But actually, we're going to look this morning about where that comes from, and we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament as well. Uh, so if you've got your Bible, we're going to look at a couple of passages, starting in Luke chapter 15. I'm just reading the first seven verses. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. The words will come up on the screen if you haven't got your Bible. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The, the undesirable people, uh, I know how he feels, no I'm joking. Uh, the, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the religious people, and the teachers of the law, more religious people, people <coughs> who were churchgoers if you like, they muttered about Jesus. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know, they were accusing Jesus of a different kind of recklessness. They were saying, you're contaminating yourself. Jesus, you can't be the person you say you are because you're sitting with the untouchables. You're sitting with the people who are going to bring you down. They're going to lead you astray, Jesus. You can't really be holy because if you were holy, you would know those people aren't holy. That's reckless. You know, whoever you are this morning in this place, Jesus longs to draw close to you, whoever you are. Whatever you've done, whatever your past, whatever your future holds, Jesus wants to be with you. That's reckless. That is reckless because you might not want to be with him. And actually, you might say, like Peter said, get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. And actually, Jesus wants to draw near to those of us who are lost and those of us who are found. 
So Jesus tells a story to these people who are moaning. Verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Doesn't he leave the 99? That's where the words come from. It's a story Jesus told. To leave the 99 and go after the one. If you got 1% in a test, would you be happy? Some people aren't sure. Come on. Well, I'll ask again. Come on. The more you get involved, the more I, I the, probably the quicker I'll be. Okay. There you go. <laughs> if you got one percent in the test, would you be happy? No. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. We need more Steves in this room. Okay. Wouldn't be happy. But I've never noticed until I read it this time. Jesus says this story. If you lost one sheep, doesn't he leave the ninety-nine? Jesus assumes that this is logical. If you lose one of your hundred, don't you just leave those in the open country and get the one? Jesus is saying, that's a logical thing to do. To leave the 99, they can sort of care for each other a little bit. There's safety in numbers, and maybe there's other people near where the 99 are. Maybe there are other people who are available to help with those 99. But the thing that's most important is that one that's got lost, the shepherd is desperate to get it back. Just the one. The shepherd is desperate for the one that's wandered off to bring it back. So he leaves the 99. Sounds reckless to us, doesn't it? So it looks reckless walking on there. Sounds reckless to leave 99% of your flock to go after the one. But Jesus says, it's logical. They can sort of look after each other. There's other people near where those sheep are. They're in open country. A wolf could come, but maybe somebody else will or fight them off because I'm more interested in the one and I don't know where that one is and I'm desperate to see that one. Jesus assumes that this is the norm. Anything could happen and maybe the load of caring for that 99 isn't the responsibility of just the one shepherd. The role of caring for the 99 is shared but the one is lost. The one needs <coughs> help. The one is desperate and maybe doesn't even know it and that might be us this morning. Desperate and not even knowing it. Because Jesus is saying, I need to get to you. I need to get to you. It looks totally reckless. Verse 5 goes on to say, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And then he goes home and calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. It sounds a bit bonkers on the surface, doesn't it? One sheep and you go around the neighbours going, look, I've got my sheep back. And the neighbours are going, yeah, what about the others? What about all the others in the field? He's going, look, rejoice with me. Come on, let's have a party. We've got the sheep back. Come on. Let's, let's put some music on. Let's have a bit of a dance in the fields. I've got this. He tells his friends because he wants, it, he wants it known that even if one person wanders off, he's desperate to reach them and it's a party when they come back. It is a celebration when one sheep gets back in to the fold. Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Because of one sheep, he throws a party. Doesn't keep it a secret. Not telling the neighbours, not telling his friends and thinking, oh, they won't notice I've lost it. He gets in there and says, rejoice with me. And Jesus then goes on to say, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. You know? If one person in this room this morning decided to come back to Jesus to give their lives to him, then actually there would be a party in heaven over that. 
If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you're not a Christian, if you've never accepted that gift of his love that he recklessly has given for you, then heaven is waiting for a party for you. You know, I like parties. Who likes parties? Yeah? Yes. Yeah, okay. Not particularly kids' parties where you have to organise the games. We don't know they're a bit, okay. Parties for you, though, they're great, aren't they? Who likes a party thrown for them? Yeah? Yeah? Only, only Claire, that's fine. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, that's great. But actually, we love a party. You know, this morning, heaven is waiting for a party over someone in this room. Someone who doesn't know Jesus. That's exciting, isn't it? And that's not something to keep a secret. Sometimes we say, you know, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus... Sorry. It's not my stubble. I've had a shave, honest. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus, we might say, bow your heads, don't look. Actually, it needs to be something that we celebrate. It's not something to be ashamed of. You know, maybe we say to you, go and tell somebody, and you don't. It'd be great if you stood up and went, yeah, I'm proud to do it, because we would have a party in here. Because it's exciting when one person returns to what God has planned for them. You know, Jesus gave their life for the one just as much as the church full of Christians. If you're a Christian this morning, you're one of those sheep that Jesus says, okay, you're okay. You're okay. You're safe. I'm going after the one that's lost. Going after the one that's in danger. Going after the one that's on the edges. As I thought about this, I was drawn to the Old Testament story of Gideon. Because I think that looks reckless on the outside. And we're saying God's love is reckless. It does it without fear. It does it without worrying about the danger. And Gideon, is a, his story is in Judges chapter 7, particularly in verses 2 to 3. The Israelites are about to fight the Midianite army. Anyone know how many were in the Midianite army? Just to keep you awake. Oh, any advance on 30,000? Any advance of 100,000? Uh, oh, less than that, Tim. Come on, underestimate. 135,000 is, is the estimate. 135,000 men. That's a big army, isn't it? Yeah, that's Wembley plus a half again. That's a lot of people. Gideon had 32,000. Who fancies the odds of 32,000 against 135,000? Anyone fancy those odds? No. So God says to Gideon in verse 2 of Judges chapter 7, you have too many men. <laughs> I bet Gideon went, what? Sorry? You have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me my own strength to save me. Do you know the lesson to learn this morning is if you can do it in your own strength, you can do it in your own strength. You don't need God. But we can't do it in our own strength. God wants to be glorified in our weakness because we can't do it. He can. He can. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So Gideon goes to his army of 32,000 in the face of 135,000 and says, anyone a bit scared? Yeah? How many people said, yes, I'm a bit scared? About 22,000 of them. About 20,000, I think it says. 22,000 left. It's on the screen, isn't it? Oh, you cheats. You cheats. It's behind me all the time. Oh, thought you were being clever. 22,000 left, leaving 10,000. Anyone fancies the odds of 10,000 people against 135,000? Anyone, anyone happy with that? Those 10,000 were either crazy or really strong and, and trusting in God, weren't they? Those, those ones that were left were like, yes, God, this is great. This is great. 
going to be exciting. We're not scared of the danger, that's reckless. Not being scared of the danger. We're not afraid, that's reckless. Not being afraid of what is there. Is God happy? No, we see, it says you've got too much still. You've still got too many. And in verses 5 to 6, Gideon was told, take the men down to the water. And if some of them drink like this, keep them. If they bow down and put their heads in the water like dogs, get rid of them. It's harsh, isn't it? Didn't tell them what he was doing. He sent them down to the river. Verse 5, so Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. So now it's about how you drink. Anyone stick their finger out when they have a cup of tea? Okay, because what we're going to do as a leadership team, we've decided um, the, the people who are going to be doing the, the coffee and tea, we're going to watch you afterwards. And if you drink your tea in a certain way, you're in. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how many of you wouldn't even bother having a tea if I said that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're thinking now, right? I'm not having one. Johnny's watching. Johnny's watching to see how many fingers I've got on the handle. Whew. Or how many biscuits you have. If you have two biscuits, you're in. You're on the car park next week. Okay. Yeah, Gideon says, I'll keep 300. Oh, 300! Against how many? 132,000-ish. 300. That is 450 of them to every one of you. Who fancies those odds? Oh, yeah, Francis. Great. Everybody, we're going to fight Francis afterwards. <laughs> On the car park. I'll hold the coats. 450 to 1. That's reckless, isn't it? But he's got in control. Yeah. Because God says, I don't want it to be about you. I want it to be all about me. I want it to show my glory. I want it to show my power because I want people to flock to me because I am, like we said last week, I am. I am. And yet so often we look at a situation. I don't know what situations are facing you this week or even this month, or even this year, or even in your life. But you might look at a situation and go, I can't, I can't handle it. Do you know what? God can. God can, and he can handle it with you, and through you. And as a result, guess what? It won't be all about you. It'll all be about him. Is that not exciting? Yeah? It's all about him. If this church was all about me, don't come. Seriously. Because I will disappoint you. God never will. God never will. He is strong. I'm weak. I'm weak. He is strong. Who gets the credit? Because no way is this humanly possible. I want to say to you this morning, smallness doesn't matter. If you feel small in the face of your enemies, if you feel small in the face of your obstacles, it doesn't matter. God hasn't got a problem with that. Look through the Bible. David Goliath. Gideon and his army. God is in control, whatever, so long as we give it to him. There are verses throughout the Bible that tell us this. Zechariah 4, verse 6. Anyone know what that, what that says? Not by might, Amen. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the NIV English version, okay? <laughs> sorry, sorry. You got them right. I was just trying to, I know that that's what's coming up. Not by might, not by power 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not about how strong you are. It's not about how gifted and talented you are. It's not about what you've got, necessarily. It's about what he has. It is about who he is. I am today, yesterday, and forever. I am not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So when we say who wants to be filled with his spirit, that's what it's about. Because if you follow yourself, it's not going <coughs> to glorify him. It's not going to glorify him. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Some people trust in their army. Some people trust in their things. You know, I don't know about you, I've not had a car breakdown on me for ages, but it would be very stupid of me to go, well, I've driven the car for three years, Tim sold it me, it must be okay, and uh, I'm going to not bother with breakdown cover. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? Because actually that would be me putting my faith in my car. My car won't get me everywhere. One day it will cease. Don't put your strength in the stuff that you have. Put your strength in the saviour of all. Put your strength in the one who is over everything that we sing about. His love is no fear. We need to be obedient to him. We need to not fear the danger, but like sheep hearing the shepherd's voice, we need to hear his voice and follow it. My sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. If you don't hear from God, maybe you're not spending time with him. If you don't hear from God, maybe you're not reading what he has to say. If you're not hearing from God, maybe you're not spending time being still and quiet so that he can speak into your life. I believe God wants us not to be fearful and settle for easy. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this tonight, particularly that bit. I don't think God wants us to settle for being fearful and the easy way. Because the easy way means we can get the glory. Yeah? We can get the glory. If I jumped in a taxi after half a mile of the London Marathon and jumped out near the end and crossed the finish line, people would go, wow, look at him. It's the taxi that should get the glory. Not me. And actually, if we take shortcuts, it's not, it's not about us. We get the glory when we take shortcuts. But when we actually go the way God plans, he gets the glory. Judges 7 verses 9 to 11 tell us a little bit about the fight because they were still a little bit fearful. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. God says, it's yours. There's only 300 or so, but it's yours. It's got to be yours. If you were afraid, <laughs> if you're afraid, you should have gone home at the first point. Tough. <laughs> That's what he says. If you're afraid... <laughs> To attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. That's in the enemy camp. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. Do you know you can be encouraged by those that oppose you? That's what happened with Gideon. That's not normal, is it? That's bonkers. You can be encouraged by the things that stand against you. Why? Because you'll start to see God more and more in your situation. You'll start to see God helping you overcome the obstacle. You'll start to see God flattening the obstacle. You'll start to see God moving it out of the way. But when actually it's all plain sailing, there's no need for God in it, is there really? And often we forget to look to God. Walk into the enemy camp and be encouraged, says God. That sounds pretty reckless, doesn't it? Walk into the enemy camp and be encouraged. God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. He will be with us and he will even use the things we are worried about. 
to encourage us along the way. That's exciting, isn't it? If you've got a worry this morning, give it to God. He will use that and he will use that situation. Maybe not immediately. Maybe you can't see it at the time, but he will use that situation to show him because he longs to reach each one of us. In fact, if you read the whole story, you learn that the enemies of Gideon are more afraid of him. Yeah? These 132,000 people, they are more afraid of Gideon and the Israelites. Why? Because they know God is on their side. With God on our side, if, if God is for us, who can be against us? We sing it, don't we? If God is for us, who can be against us? And yet so often we decide to take the easy route and just not show up to the battle or not prepare and decide we'll go home because we're scared. God says, through me, you will be glorified. I will be glorified. What looks reckless on the outside is encouraging, amazing, and victorious. Not reckless. It's victorious. So when we sing that song, you know, you can think about that. I want to tell you a quick story. Um, anyone ever been to San Francisco? We've got a few Americans here. San Francisco. Is it Pier 49, is it called? Something like that. When I was about 12, we went to San Francisco. And when you walk down the, the Pier 49, there's often street performers and I can remember vividly have seen, seeing this massive pool. I say massive, it was probably about the circumference of, of this area of chairs, if you like. And it was probably about that deep, I would say. And there were people diving off very high diving boards into it. And it got to a point in the show where the man commentating on it said, now everybody, we're going to perform one of the most dangerous stunts we could ever perform in this pool. Please be quiet. Any distraction could cause serious injury or maybe even death. That's reckless, yeah? And this man climbs all the way to the very top diving board. And just as he stood on the edge of the diving board, a man in the crowd just behind us, every time it looks like the man's going to jump, starts going, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my word, that man's going to kill him. And then he starts shouting things at him. And in the end, the man commentates and says, excuse me, sir, can you please be quiet? Excuse me, can you please be quiet? And he keeps doing it. He keeps trying to put the man off from jumping. And then he says, I can do that. Anyone can do it. So he throws his overcoat off. And the man, we didn't know this at the time, but he was part of the show. Because he then climbs to the very top of this diving board in his, in his shirt and trousers, goes, I can do this. And he ends up falling spectacularly and landing in the pool, and everybody in the audience is going, <laughs> until he lands and they say, don't worry, it wasn't as reckless as it looked. It was done for you for your entertainment. I don't know if that's entertaining. <laughs> I think that's a little bit too far, personally. I felt sick. I thought all sorts of crazy things. Is that how we feel when we face obstacles? When we face the enemy, we feel a bit sick. We feel a bit like, oh, what, what am I doing here? I wasn't aware that the man being reckless was actually totally in control. And maybe that's our problem this morning. Jesus' love is reckless and he is totally in control. Maybe you're not aware of that. He is totally in control. And he wants to be part of who you are. He wants, to allow, he wants you to allow him in. There's no shadow you won't light up, the song says. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. I'd like to show a very famous clip 
And then I want to change the words a little bit. Hopefully. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I will tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that led me to my inevitable idea. If you let my daughter go now, that will be the end of it. Okay, sorry, I kicked the, kicked the jam jar over then in excitement. That's out of a film called Taken. His daughter has been kidnapped. Trafficked. Well, she's kidnapped. Come on, let's not split hairs. She's been kidnapped by traffickers. There we go, okay. She's been kidnapped, and basically he's desperate for his daughter back, and he is saying, I will stop at nothing to get her back. If you return her now, you're okay. But if you don't, I will find you. I will kill you. Now... Okay, that might not sound very much like Jesus, okay? But Jesus isn't threatening us this morning. Jesus isn't a scary, do what I say or else. But he will stop at nothing to get us back. The only thing that can stop him is you, yourself. The only thing that can stop God acting in your life and through you is you, is you, is me. Maybe that speech could sound like this. I do know who you are. I do know what you need. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I've already paid it. Because what I do have is a very particular set of skills, skills I have had over an eternity. Skills that make me a saviour for people like you. If you come to me now, that will be the start of it. It will not need, I will not need to keep looking for you, but if you don't, I will look for you. I will pursue you, and I will save you, unless you say no. That's what Jesus says this morning. That's what he says, but not in the words of Liam Neeson. I will look for you, I will pursue you, and I will save you, unless you say no. Jesus gave his life without fear for the consequences. Is that reckless? Yeah. It fits the definition. Jesus gave his life without fear of the danger. And if we accept it, then it's worth it. If we don't accept it, then it's incredibly reckless on his part. But he did it for you and he did it for me. And the consequences for us not accepting it are reckless. Reckless love means being pursued no matter what. The response this morning I want to give is I'm going to give out, I'm going to ask some people to give out one of these. You might have seen these before. These are called the four points cards. And often on a Sunday morning, we talk about whether you want to give your life to Jesus. And if you're a Christian this morning, you might never be willing to share your faith because you might not know how to. But this card sums up what Jesus is all about in four very simple pictures. And there's words on the back to explain it if you forget what I say. First thing we need to recognise is he loves us. We can talk about how he loves us. We've sung it this morning. The second thing is 
That X stands for mistakes. We've all made mistakes. If I said anyone not made mistakes in here, you'd be lying. We've all made mistakes. But the beauty of it is that actually that cross tells me that Jesus died and took the punishment for those mistakes. That Jesus' death put everything right. He paid the ransom. And the simple thing at the end is a question mark. Because the question is, what are you going to do about it? And my response this morning is to you, if you're not a Christian, I want you to perhaps ask somebody to go through this with you. And there's a prayer on it that you can pray at the end that just basically says, Jesus, I'm saying yes to your rescue. Jesus, I'm saying yes to your rescue. And if you want to do that this morning as we worship just to finish, it'd be great if, if at the end, you know, you might want to stand up and say, yeah, even if it's one person, you might want to stand up and say, actually, yeah, I've given my life to Jesus this morning in this place, because then we can have a party, and there's a party in heaven. So if you've never given your life to him, if you didn't realise his love is pursuing you, then it is. So I'm going to give everyone one of these, because either you can take it this morning and use it, or if you're a Christian and you've never shared your faith with anyone, the challenge this week is to go out and use this, to share your faith with somebody. To invite them to become a part of God's rescue mission. To tell them that they know, that you know that they are loved and that he thinks you're amazing. But we've got to do something. We can't just sit and expect everyone else to do it. We can't just be waiting for the one sheep to come back. We've got to go and we've got to find them. So this morning as we carry on worshipping, I'm going to give these out. Or I'm going to get somebody to give them out. Have a read. But if you want to be led in that prayer, turn to the person next to you and say, please can you just pray this with me? And then if somebody does that with you, let's just have a proclamation. If nobody does, that's fine. But it wouldn't it be amazing if this morning salvation came into this place Amen. and came into your life because his love recklessly came pursuing you without fear, without danger. So I'm going to give these out. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to sing a couple of songs. That one particularly. You can remain seated for the first one. But if you want someone to lead you through this this morning, turn to the person next to you and say, let's pray this. And if you do, shout about it. Tell us. If you've never done it before as a Christian, use this this week. And then next week maybe you can come and tell us all about it. Thank you. I'm just going to give these to someone to hand out for me. <coughs> Okay, these, these guys here. If you can go down the side, that'd be cool. Take a few and pass them around. Gotta take a few and pass them along. Don't leave them on your seats, okay? There's the response. Just take one, pass them backwards. If there's any left over, I'll give Jeff Chad responsibility. He's very good at coordinating. <laughs>